choir and orchestra and congregation and Ted and Mary Martha. Thank you. Uh, thank you for leading us and recognizing this is a, a tender day, right? Because we know that this is the last sort of formal opportunity uh, to experience Ted and Mary Martha's leadership as they had announced their retirement. And so uh, with mixed emotions, we come to a time like this, I think. And certainly, chief among them, Ted and Mary Martha. We'll have an opportunity at the end, of course, to express our personal care, and you'll be encouraged to do so. As we make space for the inevitable transitions in our lives, we do so not trying to imagine, oh, so exciting. I love to see the children in church. Not simply trying to imagine uh, our own way through, but instead as a people who not only have been given a real-time opportunity to experience the presence and guidance of God by the Holy Spirit, we are a people who inherit a long body of tradition. We inherit wise words that have been passed from generation to generation. And holding all of these in our lives before God, I hope that today we will hear what it is we need to hear for such a time as this. And as we do, I encourage you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 31 through 39. Verses of Scripture that, that have a lot of meaning and a lot of weight for our lives. I hope to be able to extract one truth that can anchor us on a day like today. Reads this way. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. May God bless the reading and the hearing 
of God's Word today. It's startling as you read these words to hear the number of negations that show up in it. And I put extra special emphasis on a powerful word about which I have a mixed opinion. And that word is no. What a powerful word no is. We seldom appreciate its power until we're on the receiving end of it. Most of us probably have plenty of childhood memories where you might have asked for something that you zealously desired in that moment and received a no. And you wither a little bit on the inside and with disappointment, wait for the next opportunity to ask. You know, Veronica, sometimes our children, all three of whom are taking Spanish now in school, um, our joke is, I'll say, uh, let me say it in Spanish to make sure you understand clearly. And what do I say? No, it's the exact same word. We all know what it means. And we know how it feels to receive a no sometimes, the disappointment, the difficulty, the expectations that we put up really high in front of us and with vulnerability might ask for something and simply not receive it. Of course, it's not just in childhood. Throughout our lives, as we've knocked on the doors for employment, or applied for a special program in school, or maybe sought a special relationship to have a pair bond with a human just for you. And at the end of the day, to hear, no. Well, sometimes that's hard to digest. Maybe after a difficult diagnosis or season in life, perhaps a disease or sickness, perhaps an accident, and you ask the professionals who are assisting your care, will I ever be able to do X again or Y? And they say no. It can be downright terrifying. I was reminiscing with my parents about all sorts of things yesterday because we had some time in the car and they were asking about different encounters and experiences I had uh, with folks at the end of life, something that's common, of course, in ministry. And as a volunteer chaplain at Janelle's Hospital in Smithfield years ago, I was called in to tend to a family who had lost their child, no more than seven, eight years old, died in the, in the emergency department, and his father was there. And for a long time, I sat in silence. I was not going to say the first word in a time like that. And I sat with him and sat with him over his son's cold body. And he finally looked up at me and he said, do you think they got it wrong? Do you think maybe he's still alive? Might have been the hardest no I ever had to utter. No. They got it right. No is a hard word. It's powerful. It's short, small, it's easy to say. It's hard to hear. But it's not all difficult news when we think about the word no. No also has tremendous benefit. It can help. It can heal. It can even give you some hope. Think about how a well-placed no in your life can make space for you to breathe. 
Some of you, and I know you, are just so willing to step into any gap into which you might perceive the littlest of openings because you're so talented, you're so capable, and you can do so many things right and well. And so people trust that about you. They also trust that the best word you have in your vocabulary is yes. And so they call you and say, will you do this? Yes. And about halfway through the day, you say, I should have said no. Sometimes no provides us guidance, discipline, and boundaries. Whether as a child, you don't always know what you don't know. And of course, we don't either as adults but you know the sort of wisdom that can lead a wise caregiver to say no and, and trust with a clear conscience that it's with the best interest of that young life at heart. It's much harder in your adulthood to be able to set similar boundaries, guardrails that hold you accountable to your values and to your commitments, to your goals. And for every yes, there may be a whole bunch of no's that keep you on that path and at the same time they're so helpful to keep us on that path they're hopeful of course sometimes we can say no to someone or something and instead of filling it right away with something else it just holds space for what might come Danny and I talk about that every once in a while He's a meticulous manager of his calendar because he truly believes that in the course of any given week, an opportunity granted by God might come his way. And managing his yeses and nos leaves hopeful space for the surprise arrival of a call or an opportunity or a gift. Sometimes it can even be healing when we utter our no's to things we used to say yes to, we cultivate the sort of space in our life that encourages, empowers, and strengthens us to fulfill all we were made to do. When we say no, instead of, boy, I'd really like to, but, 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 but and, and you start to justify and explain and defend your no, or in some way try and reassure someone else it's not personal. Sometimes, no, I've, I've always admired those who without apology and without explanation can simply say no. And they're not communicating anything but a boundary. I trust their love. I trust their care. I trust their commitment. And I trust the relationship that's established Jesus, when he was counseling his disciples, told them to simplify their language. At one point, he says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Don't get caught in the trap of saying yes and doing no. Don't get caught in the trap of saying no and doing yes. Let your insides and your outsides line up and integrate. It's called integrity. No can help us live with integrity. And as the Apostle Paul sums up all that has happened in his sermon to the Romans here in this letter, chapter 8 emphasizes a number of things, but among them is the supremacy of grace. Grace. It's a word we sang with great power this morning. I thought we might take the roof off. 
you all sang it like you meant it. Amazing grace. Well, what's amazing about it? We sang about that too. How many organizations here in the human sphere would say, you come and bring your failures. You come and bring your addictions. You come, you come, you come. I know your misgivings and I know your shortcomings and I know all those things, but here in this space, we gather around the cross that holds all of those failures and difficulties and mistakes and regrets and takes all of that guilt and renders it powerless to your future. In a sense, the cross is God's no to what we've been taught by the world. And God's yes to Jesus in raising him to new life opens the door for us to imagine a future that is different from our past. Amazing grace. Regardless of how far along this journey of following Jesus uh, you have come, there is always more to learn. So we gather week after week with compassion and guided by grace that no matter where our neighbor to our left, to our right, ahead of us, or behind us, or online, maybe we know that we are bound together not by our accomplishments at any given point in time. No, it is by what God has accomplished in Jesus. Paul summarizes all of this by saying, what shall we say about these things? And then he uses a powerful phrase that did not become real to me until I visited one of our partner ministries here in Durham, Reality Ministries, um, a faith-based community for intellectually, developmentally disabled adults and trying to help those in the community um, interface this very special group of neighbors. And in working together, they do amazing things. But when you go into the reality space, there's a tremendous banner in color, all the colors of the rainbow. And it says four words, I am for you. I stopped and I took a picture of it. I'm not usually a, a picture taker. But I was stunned. It hit me between the eyes. In some ways, to see this ancient uh, rendering of the, the Hebrew word for God's personal name, right? I am for you. Personal and plural. I am for you and I am for y'all. It was ambiguous. Paul captures it with the exact same language. Perhaps they were influenced by this verse. If God is for us, then who can be against us? God's yes trumps all of the no's that we might hear in our life. When our bodies betray us and let us down. Or when our friends or our circumstances in some way fail us. When our families disappoint. When our leaders fall short. Oh, and above all, don't let me forget, the voices in your own head and heart 
that keep telling you just how wrong you are, just how flawed you are, just how incomplete you are, just how... how, It's just a big no, isn't it? Probably the biggest enemy in all creation to our flourishing, to our thriving, and our progress is our own selves. We read that verse too. Though it feels awfully isolating, it is a universal experience. All fall short. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 3 of the same letter. All have sinned. Fall short of God's glory. And so they're not wrong, but it's not the end of the story. Because the good news is you are never as lonely and you are never as alone and self-determined as you think you are. Because the one who created the universe, the one who created you and your place in it, the one in whom we all live and move and have our being is for us. For us. And for you, y'all. It's a tremendous declaration about what can go right in our lives. And there's a response that's necessary from us each and every time we hear this powerful promise. We can't sit back on our laurels and say, okay, God, if you're for us, take care of it. There's something knit into the way God wants to operate in the world that is more like partnership and even more, Jesus used the word friendship. A friendship with God that allows us in relationship to know more and more the way God would have this world to be. If we were doing woodwork, it would be as if we'd spent so much of our life cutting against the grain. Alfred That's not a recipe for success, is it? As you cut against the grain, you get splinters, things break apart and fall apart. And as we come to know what God has done in Jesus, God is a giver. God is the one who withholds final judgment by mercy. God is the one who in Jesus has opened the doorway to an abundant and everlasting life connected to the one who gave us the breath of life. And in doing this is leading us little by little to learn to cut with the grain and to order our lives according to the way God would always have us to be. And so we take this great theological declaration about God being for us and leading us along the right road through Jesus Christ. If we receive and we accept that good news, then the next step, as Jesus has taught and shown us over and over again, is to be that for each other. To be able to look to your left and to your right and not only acknowledge, maybe through gritted teeth because they're not your favorite person, Yeah, God's for you too. But in faith and trust to say, I am. I am for you. You know, when Ted and I talked about um, 
finding closure after such a long season of service and relationship here on the chancel and leading us in so many robust ways. Uh, we both recalled a similar memory about when I was in a youth choir. We would always sing the same song in the last, uh, in the last concert at our homecoming concert. And he, he was ruminating on those same words. And I think the words of this song in many ways capture what it might be to be for one another as God is for us. Packing up the dreams God planted in the fertile soil of you. Can't believe the hopes he's granted means a chapter in your life is through, but we'll keep you close as always. It won't even seem you're gone because our hearts in big and small ways will keep the love that keeps us strong. And friends are friends forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them, and a friend will not say never, because the welcome will not end, though it's hard to let you go. In the Father's hands, we know that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. With the faith and love God's given, springing from the hope we know we will pray the joy you'll live in is the strength that now you show, but we'll keep you close as always. It won't even seem you're gone because our hearts in big and small ways will keep the love that keeps us strong. And a friend's a friend forever. If the Lord's the Lord of them. And a friend will not say never because the welcome will not end though it's hard to let you go, in the Father's hands, we know that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. The God who in Jesus Christ has declared a friendship with you. And we hear the robust declaration that is unequivocal. The amazing yes in the midst of a world and a heart full of no's. I am for you. Will we, in our daily lives, within this fellowship and well beyond it, be able to bear witness in our words and our works that we, like our friend God, are for them? Amen.